0: It's the NC State Wolf Pack for a reason. It's because we have red wolves that are indigenous to our area, and they've been struggling uh, for a long time, and now to the point where there's not very many of them left. But that said, some renewed efforts being made to save the red wolf population, the wild red wolf population. To talk about that, I'm bringing on Ben Prater, who's the Southeast Program Director at Defenders of Wildlife. Ben, thanks for being on the show.
1: Hi, Nate. Happy to be with you.
0: Give me the lowdown on the situation around red wolves. Of course.
1: Well, as you shared, uh, we've had struggles in the past, uh, but it's worth remi- remembering that the program was an amazing success uh, for a while, reaching a population of over 100 animals at one time. Uh, that shifted and changed. In about 2020, we were down to nearly just seven. Um, so that uh, left us with the, the recourse of filing some litigation based on some actions Fish officers Wildlife Service were taking at the time. Uh, which led to the successful settlement that we just celebrated this week, essentially committing the Fish and Wildlife Service to evaluate and submit plans to release wolves uh, for the next eight years, uh, following in line with what we've been doing successfully for the past three, getting more, more paws on the ground, more puppies born in the wild to see this population rebound, than it is. So we're very excited to
0: see what happens in the future. What happened to bring the population down from well over 100 to seven?
1: Sure. Well, it was a a combination of a number of factors. Um, There was an increase in the amount of gunshot mortality, uh, vehicle collisions. There was issues of hybridizations with coyotes. Uh, But fundamentally, what sort of sent the population down uh, to such low numbers was a uh, pullback by the agency trusted to conserve the species of doing active management for them, doing the release necessary to bolster the population. So that's what we challenged them on in court. Uh, but we were happy to see it resolved in a settlement that gets us a guaranteed um, effort to see these wolves released into the near future.
0: So what do you mean by released? Are they uh, born and you guys keep them until they're good and then you release them out into the wild?
1: Right. So not we as defenders, but there is a consortium of organizations all across the country, 40-plus facilities uh, folded in under a program from the Association of Zoos and Aquaria. Uh, the Save Animals from Extinction Program are SAFE. Uh, for sure, that actually stewards these animals under human care uh, at various zoos and facilities across the country with the intention of breeding them, maintaining their genetics, giving the Fish and Wildlife Service the opportunity to put them in the wild where they belong. And eastern North Carolina, the Red Wolf Curry area there, has been the single wild population uh, since that program uh, started 30 plus years ago.
0: How hard is it these days for red wolves to survive? I feel like they would not mix with humanity very well.
1: Well, um, to be honest, they do quite well on the landscape. Uh, Again, in a very similar uh, way, just a short decade or more ago, uh, we saw this population reach a, a real zenith. And we're pretty sure we can get back to that. During that time, there was very few conflicts at all to speak of with landowners and others in the area. It's also important to recognize that this area its rural character and wild character, anchored by a number of national wildlife refuges leaves the landscape fairly well protected and provides great habitat for this species uh, and an abundance of of native wildlife that call that area home. So uh, we still believe in eastern North Carolina and the red wolf population's opportunity to rebound.
0: So now that you guys have this settlement, what's it going to look like for you guys uh, or all the organizations working together to help these red wolves thrive?
1: Yeah, that's an important question because this is just the beginning of sort of a new era for red wolf conservation and recovery. And so we're very excited to uh, be engaged on the ground with a number of organizations that have been working on red wolf conservation, but also expanding that to include a lot of stakeholders and others interested in this program, how it impacts them, how it impacts local wildlife. And so it's really an opportunity now for all of us to sit at the table, to collaborate, and to communicate about what the future looks like and how we can get there with a shared vision that everyone can, can get, can support.
0: This might be too into the weeds, but I am curious, uh, given that we are a uh, Raleigh station here and it is the NC state wolf pack and they do all sorts of things with agriculture and animals. Does the school, mm-hmm. does NC state play a role in helping with the red wolves as well?
1: Uh, you know, I'm not uh, sure of a direct role, although I know there's been folks on the faculty and staff that have engaged in red Wolf and other wildlife conservation efforts. I've also been a part of uh, being involved with several student groups that have spoken up to advocate for red wolves. So I believe NC State, and even just beyond our entire state, can take real pride in the state of species that only calls North Carolina home.
0: I know you guys just got this settlement, and that's pretty landmark for you all. Is there any uh, other efforts being made to even increase the efforts you guys are giving these animals?
1: Absolutely. So I think our next big goal here, and this one we've already gotten underway, but one I think we'll be able to move to in a... In a more significant way, is really this concept of coexistence. And that is what can we do to enhance the ability for these animals to survive and thrive on the landscape while recognizing the values that local communities and others have and need to be considered as we're looking to manage uh, a carnivore in the landscape like red wolves. Uh, We've got a lot of tools at our disposal, a long history of doing this kind of work all across the country. And uh, the most important thing is we have public support and a huge number of partners ready to move forward. And the Fish and Wildlife Service themselves has really stepped up in a big way, so I'm excited to see what we can all do together uh, in the next several years here.
0: I know that uh, your organization probably does not want people to kill a red wolf, but if somebody had a red wolf that was encroaching on their property and could potentially be a real issue, what should be someone's uh, what should someone do if they find themselves in that sort of a situation?
1: Yeah, good question. Uh, there are resources available for landowners. There's a the red wolf hotline available. The Fish and Wildlife Service is uh, always being vigilant to respond to any concerns that landowners have. And we hope to, uh, from our uh, point of view, increase the amount of access and opportunity and education for folks to understand what kind of tools are available to them to manage any conflict. Ideally, it would be done in a non-lethal way. Uh, But the Fish and Wildlife Service ultimately decides on what these animals need, and we have a responsibility to make sure we give them the opportunity to thrive and working alongside landowners and private property owners and agricultural businesses, etc.,
0: is a part of that mix.
1: So uh, it's not easy work, but it's work that has to happen, and it's work we're going to be able to really see a commitment to over the next eight years.
0: His name is Ben Prater. He's the Southeast Program Director at Defenders of Wildlife. It looks like red wolves are going to get another chance. Ben, thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Nate. I appreciate your time.